Grace Church. Happy Sunday morning. We're so glad that you've chosen to spend some of your Sunday morning with us. So we're going to spend some time worshiping and giving our God praise. So let's do that now. Come on, join us.
never stop working. Yeah. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working.
day. God, let our hearts declare, yes, I will. In the face of adversity, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. And I pray this over us as a church. Yes, we will, God, bless your name. Yes, we will sing for joy when our hearts are heavy. All our days, Father God, yes, we will. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you are who you say you are, that you are faithful, God, that you are able, and God, that you never change. And you, God, you love us deeply, and you are trustworthy. So God, we thank you. God, we thank you for this time of worship. God, we thank you for a time to be joined together in our hearts, giving you praise. God, we honor your name. We bless you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody out there said, amen. Grace Church, we're so glad that you joined us today. Uh, my name is Paul, and I'm here with Trey, who has been one of the only people that I've seen <laughs> for the last seven weeks. So just like I say, we miss you greatly, and we're glad that you're here with us this morning. And, and as we continue our time of, of worship uh, and receive our tithes and offerings, let's bow our heads and ask for God's blessing over those offerings today. Uh, God, we just thank you, Lord, for your provision in our lives, Jesus, through uncertain times. Uh, God, you are our foundation. So, Lord, we just pray uh, over these tithes and offerings that we were receiving today, God, and, and help them to fulfill your mission for Grace Church in the city of Federway. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been seven weeks since we've been together in this building, and it is lonely around here. But there's still <laughs> ways to get connected. On Facebook, we have Zoom groups. So you can go on Facebook, on our Facebook page, and look and see the Zoom groups that you can sign up for, as well as if you are a youth student, if you are in 6th to 12th grade, Grace Youth is doing Instagram Lives every Wednesday so cool. on Instagram Live. So go ahead and follow Grace Youth Fed on Instagram if you're a student from grades 6 to 12. Yeah, so now grab your notebooks, grab your Bibles, and let's hear the message that Pastor Omar is bringing this week. Hey, good morning. Thank you for allowing us to be in your home this morning. Uh, I'm so glad to, to connect with you. And uh, first off, before I get going, I want to give a big shout out to my Tia Nati, who's watching us from uh, the East Bay, California. Hey, Tia Nati, we love you. Say hi to my primos. Uh, they're letting me know that they're watching online. So thank you guys for supporting us here in the Northwest, the Grace Church. But I want to give a special shout out to all my Grace Church family. We love you. We miss you. Thank you so much for continuing to support the mission of Grace Church. We really see great things happening, even in the midst of having certain restrictions and having things that, that you know, we didn't have a plan for, but we're seeing God make a way. We're seeing God, that, that song's not just a, a, a song that we sing, but we, it's truly a thing we believe, and that's that God is the way maker, and we're seeing God do great things. There's, there's amazing stuff that's, that's happening in our church community. Keep sharing it. Uh, but we are in week two of our brand new series called The Pursuit of Happiness. Now, as you saw the intro, there was a lot of emojis. And so right now, go ahead and just uh, drop in on the posts or the comments. Drop in your favorite emoji or maybe the last one that you used uh, on your phone. Okay, just drop it in there. Uh, the, the, the crazier, the randomest one is probably the best one because uh, it's going to make a lot of people go, what is on earth is that? Uh, but I just think it's a lot of fun. If you ever text me before, you know that I'm an emoji guy. I, I drop them all the time, uh, but I don't know, just having some fun. But um, we are talking about the idea and the topic 
of happiness. And I think it's a pretty relevant topic right now because as I talk to people, uh, there is this mood that is happening among people, whether it's up or down, but there is a mood that's happening where people are kind of feeling uneasy and it's starting to feel like it's taking a toll on a lot of their emotional state. So I think that happiness is important to talk about. I think it's a good topic to really search out through the lens of scripture to say, what does God have to say about our happiness? Is God mindful of our happiness? Is happiness just an emotion that we have to conjure up or is it a state of mind that we're allowed to have through the presence of the Holy Spirit? And I'm more on the latter side of things. And that's what I hope to bring as I share the word today as we go into week two. Now, last week we talked about the importance of keeping our joy and making sure that we maintain it and receive it from God because we know that true joy only comes from above. But we also know that we have to maybe change our perspective. So we need the right perspective to live by. But you also know that we have to set our priorities because if, if things change in our life, if things get tough and we have the wrong priorities, then someone else or something else is going to set the priorities for our life. And we get so consumed with the problems and the issues ahead of us that we forget that, man, we have a greater thing in store for our lives. We have a greater truth that we live by. And so we've got to set our priorities to the things above. And, uh, and so that's important. So that was last week. But this week, we're going to go diving into chapter two of the book of Philippians. And in this chapter, Paul starts to talk more about the internal struggle that we all have with this idea of happiness. Now, last week, we talked about maybe just things that need to change. But this one is more of a practice. This is more about what's happening on the inside of us. And it's more internal. So what it's going to do is I'm going to give you some practical tips on how to work some things some decisions you can make, some disciplines and practices that you can put in your life to help make sure that your happiness stays afloat, that your your joy is anchored in God's truth. So let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord God, for your precious word. God, I pray that you help me and give me the ability and the anointing, God, to, to share your word in such a way, God, that every ear will be open and every heart would receive what you have for them today. We thank you for your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I feel like I'm just going from one thing to the next so quickly that I can't even catch my breath. And I'm talking emotionally, you know, it's, it's, it's troubleshooting or, or jumping into one issue or one problem or one crisis, and you're just going from one thing to the next. And, and, and I'm talking about the emotional drain of living lifestyle, a lifestyle in that manner at that speed. Sometimes we can't control it, but we often get dived right into something like that. And so it's like, how do we deal with that? Because sometimes it just feels like we're just doing everything we can to keep our head above water. Maybe there's somebody this morning that is listening to this. That's exactly a description of where you feel today. You know, when life hits us, it feels like in those moments that the first thing that gets zapped is our joy. In those moments, it seems like the first thing that really takes a toll is that feeling of happiness. It's almost like there's a drain inside of us that has opened up and all of a sudden joy and happiness get sucked out. I don't know how that works, but that's how it feels. And we find ourselves in this place where we have to identify where is the leak coming from? Where is that hole coming from? And I believe that God wants to help us with that today. I believe that we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to identify those areas in our life where maybe there's, there's, there's a way where joy and, and happiness is getting uh, taken out of our lives. And I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is one who comes with power. 
And for us to just not have a perspective on life that is from above, not only to have priorities to live by, but we also need power to live on. We do. We need power to live on. See, in moments like I just described, you have two options and only two options. You're either going to worry or you're going to worship. You're either going to pray or you're going to panic. And that's how we respond to things. And so how do we tap into that? Because the Holy Spirit gives us the ability and the power to worship and pray instead of worry and panic. And that's where joy is found. It's in those moments of having a time of worship, to come into a place of prayer. And I believe that that's important. But in order for us to do that, because we're not going to feel like doing that, everything in our minds and our hearts are going to be distracted and pulling us away from this. So we need the Holy Spirit's power to give us the ability to push through so that we can find that place of prayer and we can get into that space of worship. That's so important for us. And that's going to help us with our our, our happiness. But where are those places in our life that, that it feels like we open up and happiness and joy seems to funnel out of us? And, and that's what I love about this book, this book called Philippians, because Paul addresses some things in our life that we've got to be aware of, things that we can do to help not have those holes in our life. So we're going to go in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to start right at verse 12. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says this. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but more so in my absence. He says, Continue to, do, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Amen to that. It says, verse 14, he says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Verse 17. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad, listen to this, and rejoice with all of you. Last verse here. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Remember, Paul has been walking us through in chapter one, talking to us about how we have to move beyond happiness and we have to be led into true and lasting joy. But in this particular chapter, Paul starts to identify a couple of things about happiness. Number one is that he acknowledges that happiness can leak out. You might have missed that reading through or having me read through uh, this, but he gives us five ways that happiness can leak out of our lives. How many of you know that when you don't fix a leak, it turns into a bigger problem? It reminds me of a story about a buddy of mine. I was at his house. This was a, a lot of years ago. And uh, we're at his house. And I remember the day where he discovered a leak in his house. Uh, it, it, it was kind of comical because he didn't even know that, that there was this leak in his house. And he put his hand on the wall. And all of a sudden, his wall or his hand went through the wall. Uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, we realized that there is something bad happening behind that wall. So we started to rip apart that wall and we found this little leak on this, on this fitting that was in the, one of the pipes. And it must have been going on for a very long time for it to spread all throughout the wall. And, and, uh, and I want to tell you that sometimes the little drops can create a big mess. Yeah, right. 
small leagues can turn into something bigger if left unchecked. And I believe that that is Paul's, uh, that is what he's telling us. He's trying to tell us and help us to understand that that's what happens internally if we fail to work on the little things in our lives because they will sooner become the big thing of our life. And that's what he's trying to help us. So, so he's going to help us identify some leaks, some things where our, our joy and our happiness can escape from our lives or deplete from our lives. And so we got to be careful. But what I love about the Word of God is it doesn't just address the issue, but it gives us a solution. Yeah. It gives us a fix. So these are some fixes with some of the issues that he's going to help us. So number one, this is the first one, is the first thing that can cause our joy to leak out of our lives is fear. Yeah, we all know fear. There's many things to be fearful of. But what I love about Paul is that he actually gives us a specific type of fear, a specific type of fear, and it's this, the fear of being alone, the fear of loneliness. You know, to me, loneliness is more of an internal thing than an external thing, and this is how I know. I could be uh, all alone but not feel, feel lonely. I can also be in a crowd of thousands of people and feel like it's the most loneliest place for me. We've all experienced that, you know. Um, many of you right now, you're, you're experiencing a bit of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Like, especially right now, while everybody's in quarantine and you're seeing people post things and push, push things out there. And you're just, maybe you're feeling a little bit of, of the loneliness settle in because you're just like, man, I feel like I'm missing out on something else. Or, or I'm not doing the things that I'm supposed to do. You know, social media is really bad about stirring up this FOMO in us. But, um, but maybe that's what you're feeling. Because I think that loneliness is deep in our hearts. It's this feeling that comes in our, in our hearts when we feel like we can't connect with people, yeah. where, where we can't relate to people, where we don't have anybody in our lives to depend on. It's this feeling that we could feel where we feel like we have no place to belong to. We don't feel like we fit in. We, we feel like we're misunderstood. Now, you, if you take that feeling of loneliness and you tie it to the feeling of fear, I'm telling you, this can wreak havoc on your life. This could suck out your joy faster than you can ever imagine. Because when you start feeling that, all of a sudden, happiness and joy start to deplete. But Paul explains this. He says that that type of fear, they will rob you of your joy. But the good news this morning is that there is a solution. And, and this is the solution. So listen to me this morning. You need to remember that God is in me and God is with me and God is for me. Come on, you might have to say that. You might have to write that down, that God is in me, God is with me, and God is for me. Yeah. This is what the, the New Living Translation says in verse 13. I love the way it translates. It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Like God gives you the desire through his Holy Spirit and the power to live for him and to do what's right. But that is the Holy Spirit's work. How can God be in me? How can God be in you? Well, simply this way, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And what I love about this verse is that it tells us that he is working. He is working. See, this Greek word for working, it means this. It means energy. It means power. It means strength. And it means ability. That is what the Holy Spirit brings into your life. He gives you energy, power, strength, and ability. That's what he's doing. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry in your life. I don't know if you've ever realized that, but that's what he does. Can you thank God for that? I mean, I, I think that's, that's something to definitely rejoice about. Jesus himself, he tells us this. This is a promise that he gives his disciples. Right before he, he goes to the cross, he's sitting down with them, and he's sharing with them about the promise. And the promise is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. 
Then he tells them this in John 14, 18. He says, he says, I will not abandon you like orphans. In other words, he's promising us as believers that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He says, I will come to you. How does Jesus Christ do that today? He does that through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yep. So he is with us. He is in us. And in Romans 8, 31, a famous scripture that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? We have to understand that God is for us. Some of you need to remember that. I don't know if you've ever had somebody in your life that was in your corner no matter what. You know, we call them the ride or die people, right? The people that are with you through thick or thin. People that will never, never give up on you. Always encourage you. Be in your corner no matter, no matter what. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege and honor of having somebody care about you and love you in that manner. Some of us haven't, but some of us have. And let me tell you, have you ever considered that God wants to be that? That God is promising you? That he's saying, I am for you. I'm in your corner. I'm not going to give up on you. I believe in you. Some of us don't even think of God in that manner. But the truth of the word says that it is the truth that he is that way, and, and that will change us, and that will help us understand that we don't have to fear loneliness because God is in me, he's with me, and he's for me. You got to tell yourself that. The second leak that can, that can cause us to lose joy is complaining. Yeah, complaining. This is what I call the when or then attitude. You know, the people that say, you know, when this happens, then I'll do that. You know, the person that's looking at everything that they don't have and, and they're wishing that they have but all this stuff, but then they don't recognize the stuff they do have. Wow. You know, there are four types of complainers, okay? Four types of ways that we complain. There's the whiners, right? I don't even have to give you the whiny voice, but you know, you already hear it in your mind. The whiny voice, right? It's so annoying to hear people whine, right? I have a puppy in my house and he, she whines all the time, man. It annoys me. Right? I can't concentrate when I hear somebody whine, right? There's the whiny voice. And then there's the martyrs, right? These are the people who always see themselves as the victim, no matter what, right? They're always going to talk about how everybody done them wrong and, and, and all they just complain about everybody else and everybody's out to get them and then there's the cynics right these are the people who always find something wrong with anything and everything right they can never be happy they're always going to point out the negative and the wrong and then there's the perfectionists these are people who refuse to accept any other standard than perfection and they can never be satisfied i want to tell you that 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 we let's be honest we probably have one of these types of of complaining when we complain right we fit in one of these categories if you don't know what that is you should ask your spouse or a close friend and say hey what type of complainer am i i guarantee they'll have an answer for you right because they've heard you complain and they know how it sounds and it's usually one of these things we all do it it's so easy to jump into that that complaining mode right especially if you hear someone else complain it's easy to just bond with them through complaints. It, it's crazy how that works. I, I, I've always had to, had, to, had to fight this urge sometimes when somebody complains about a situation that I find unfair, where I find that it's not okay, but yet somehow complaining found, finds its way in my heart and I can really easily fall in one of these things. We're all susceptible to these things. Let's just be real. But Paul says this, he says that when we start to complain, it leaks the joy out of our lives. This is why he says in verse 14, he says, do everything. I mean, that's intentional. Do everything without grumbling. Now, when I hear the word grumbling, I usually think of somebody who just kind of talks really soft, you know? They, they whisper and they, you know, they, they complain walking away. That is not the way uh, this is actually defined. This is deeper. This is a secret displeasure, like kind of like holding a grudge. 
It's having an attitude in your heart. And what makes this so dangerous, especially for a believer, is that when you grumble in your heart, when you grumble as an attitude, what you're doing is that you're rejecting God's providence and you're rejecting God's will. That's why it's important. That's why we have to cover that in our lives. And he says, also, don't argue. And listen to this, verse 15, he says, so that you may become blameless. Blameless. So what is the solution for that? When we start to want to complain, when we want to argue our point, when we want to be right all the time, when we, when we just get into this negative mode, come on, we all get that way. But what do we do? How do we help? Because that will rob us of our joy. So what do we do? How do we change that? Here's the solution. We've got to be more grateful. Yeah. I know you're waiting for something bigger. <laughs> but it's really that simple. You just got to be more grateful. And you got to stop complaining. Just stop it. Here's the thing. You wish you could just stop it, right? You wish you could just turn it on and off, but you can't. This is a discipline that you got to practice. So many people want the simple, simple way. They just want you to just tell them like, hey, just help me do these things. But no, this takes self-discipline. That's why the Holy Spirit, one of the things he produces in our lives is self-discipline. That's one of the things that he wants to do in your life is help you through these moments to not complain, but to worship, to show gratitude. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, give thanks in all Come on, you could say it in your living room or wherever you're watching today. All circumstances. Wow. Give thanks in all circumstances? Yes, give thanks in all circumstances. He says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's God's will for you. That's important stuff. When the Bible says this is God's will, that's really important. But notice, he doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. That's not what he says. He says, be thankful in all circumstances which means that no matter what's going on in our lives, we can always find something to, 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 to see in our life that we can count our blessings with. I'm not just thankful that this is happening. There are some things that are happening in this world. There's some things happening in your world that you don't have to say you're thankful for, but you can be thankful in the midst of those things because there are things in your life you can be thankful for while it's happening. The third leak that can rob us of our joy is guilt. Now, when you carry guilt and shame, I'm telling you, that will create a big hole in your life for your joy to be depleted, for your happiness to fall out. See, you cannot feel guilty and be joyful at the same time. Come on, we've all tried it. It doesn't work. We weren't created. This is my theory. We weren't created to have guilt and shame. I don't think that's how God created us. We know that guilt and shame came from the fall. It came from sin. I believe that guilt and shame is unnatural for us. And how do I know? Because we act weird when we're feeling guilty, don't we? We act weird when we have shame that we're trying to cover. See, it doesn't feel right to us. We want to remove it. We want to, we want to hide from our guilt and we want to hide from our shame, right? We want to deny those things in our life because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good to have. And I believe it's because we weren't built for that. We weren't created for that. And we could have sinful moments. We could have moments where we indulge in our sinful nature. And in the moment, it might feel enjoyable. In the moment, we might feel like we're happy doing it. But let me tell you, this is the thing about sin. It's tricky. When it gets in our, in our hearts and it lodges itself in and we, and we just try to bury it in, what it does is that it says that, John, or James tells us that it starts to grow in us. Yeah. And when it's fully mature, it brings death. And friends, when sin produces death in our life, that's what brings more guilt and more shame to our lives. And so Paul tells us this. What is the solution? How do we, how do we help guard ourselves? He says, you got to keep a clear conscience. This is what he says in verse 15. He says, he says, so that you may become blameless and pure, 
children of God without fear. See, you choose what you say and what you do. You can try to blame everyone else, but really you have control of what you say and what you do. And what you say and what you do will affect your conscience. So what do we have to do? We have to keep short accounts with people and we got to keep short accounts with God. Now, this does not mean that we have to be perfect because we're not perfect. No one can live up to this perfect standard besides Jesus, right? He was the only one without sin. But we fall, we mess up, we, we, we do things that we didn't intend to do, but we do anyways. And, and we feel bad for that, right? We feel guilty, we feel shameful for that. But we don't have to be perfect, but what this does mean is that we have to be humble. Yeah. And we have to be grace-filled. Trust me when I say this, that if you learn how to do this, this will bring you so much more joy in your life, so much more happiness in your life, because you can just let go of any offense. You can make things right with God and clear have a clear conscience because you could be above reproach. And let me tell you, having a clear conscience is priceless. It is priceless. People will watch your life and they, and they would and they would see you and they would begin to trust you because they know that you strive to always do what's right, but you will be the first one to admit when you've done wrong. I mean, there's something amazing about that. There, there, there's something that we have to really model as believers to the world, that we're okay to say we've messed up. We're okay to say that we're sorry. We need to do that more. So that the world can see that we're not meant, we're not saying we're perfect. We're just saying that we, we know forgiveness so we can extend it and we can also admit when we're wrong. James 4, 6 says that God graciously gives generously. He says that he gives us, he says he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When you humble yourself, God gives you more grace. The best part of this is that this is the, what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us power to live on. And you know that power is grace power. Psalms 32.1 says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. See, when we admit our failures and we go to God to help cleanse us and we go to each other for reconciliation, let me tell you, that will lead to a joy-filled life. It's kind of like taking out the trash, right? We, we got to take the trash as often as it stacks up. And I would just say, keep short accounts. Don't let the trash stack up. You know, it'd be like somebody trying to hide their trash and, and eventually you'll smell it, right? Eventually it starts to rot. And I've seen so many people try to just, just ignore their mistakes, ignore the offenses that they've made and to say, oh, let's just get over it. But you need to bring it before God. You need to have a clear conscience with God and a clear conscience with someone else and say, hey, is there anything I've done? Clear out the trash, don't justify it. Your joy will come because you know that you've made things right. You know, the old pastor of mine would always say that uh, doing this, trying to suppress that sin is like trying to put a beach ball under the water. You can try and try and try, but the harder you do it, the more exhausted you get. And he would always say this, that, that with God, what you uncover, God will cover, and what you cover, he will uncover. Wow. Sin will always come back. It always makes its way back to the surface. We know it, right? But let me tell you, when it does come back, it comes back with a vengeance, right? Yeah. It comes out bigger and stronger. So let's keep short accounts. Now, the next leak to watch out for, um, it seems a lot like guilt, but it's beyond guilt. It's called disobedience. See, sometimes we mess up, we, we feel guilty, we feel shameful. But what I'm talking about now is when you know it's not okay. When you know you're stepping over the line, when you know that God said not to do this and you did it anyways, this is disobedience. It's bigger than guilt. It's beyond that. It's disobedience. And that's the, the next leak that can rob you of your joy, disobedience. When we know what's right, 
but we choose to reject it and do it our way instead. So how do we find a solution? How do we find a fix for that? Well, it tells us this. We need to learn and live God's principles. Learn and live God's principles. Now, there's a lot of people that, you know, they... They, 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 they want to go beyond some of the, some of the simple things like the Bible teaches us about how to treat one another, how to honor God. And, 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 and they just go, man, I, I want to go deeper. I know what they mean by that. When they say, oh, I want to go deep. I'm, but I look at their life and I'm like, but you have a small root system. How do you want to go deeper with the bigger things when you can't do the simple things? When the things that God is very direct on and black and white with, and yet those are struggles for you, but you want to go take it to some other place because you want, maybe you want to avoid the things that God's trying to tell you to do tomorrow or today. And sometimes we struggle with that area. But I'm going to tell you that the word of God will never change your life. What? No, the word of God applied would be the only thing that changes wow. your life. That brings transformation. Not just knowing stuff. It's about learning how to apply it and to work that through your life. That's what will change and transform you. There's a lot of people that know a lot about the word of God, but it's the ones that practice it to honor God's word and to try to live by it. Those are the ones that you see that there's fruit coming off of their lives. Paul says this, he says, when you put this into practice and when you live out God's principles, that's when real joy will come into your life. Yeah. I don't know how else to, to explain it besides telling you that this is so true. When I learn to honor God's ways and love his ways, I'm telling you, it brings so much joy in my life. Now, this is one of my values as a pastor when I teach these messages. You know, I want to teach messages that are applicable to your life. You know, I'm not just interested in trying to fill up your head with a bunch of knowledge. I'm trying, I'm more interested in having you take that knowledge and learn how to apply it to your everyday life. Because I believe that's where real transformation happens. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. I think each time you get into the word of God, there's always something new. There's always a challenge. There's always something that God wants to do to transform you through his word. So Paul says this in Philippians 2.16. He says, hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly to the word of life, the word of God. And he says, then on the day of Christ's return, he says, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Remember, what we have to understand is that Paul was their pastor. He pastored them. And he says this, he says, he says, I spent all my time teaching you the word of God and how to apply it every day in your life. And if you don't do anything with the stuff that I've been teaching you, you're only wasting your time and you're wasting my time as well. Wow. That's what he's saying. Psalms 119.35, it says this. He says, make my ways along the path of your commandments, for that is where my happiness is found. Maybe some of us aren't happy. Maybe some of us aren't experiencing joy because we're refusing to honor God's word and to apply his word into our life. I'm telling you, so that will be a breakthrough in your life if you could just take that and say, okay, God, I want to learn your ways. I want to honor your ways because I know that that is the path to happiness. See, true joy comes from following the ways of God. And when you obey God and his principles, it will lead you to that path. And you got to ask yourself this morning, are, are you living what you've learned? Are you living what you learned? And just know that there's a lot of grace for you in that because you're honest with God now the fifth one and the final one is this it's selfishness you knew that was coming didn't you like that is our issue right that has always been our issue that is our default button we're always going to to look at things and skew things in a selfish way that's just the human nature and 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 we have to understand that and acknowledge that 
You know, you would think that it's kind of weird to think about uh, this idea that, that if you wanted to be the most happiest person on earth, if you want to be the most fulfilled person, then shouldn't everything revolve around you? Shouldn't you get everything you wanted? Wouldn't that make you happy? Well, we understand that that's, that's not true. Yeah. You know, maybe for a little while, but eventually it won't be enough. You know, if that was true, then selfish people would be the happiest people in the world. But oftentimes they're the most miserable why? Because they made life all about themselves. And there's something wrong about that. There's some, something that seems unnatural because self was not made to be the source of true fulfillment and happiness. We were made for community. We were made for fellowship and we were made for servitude. That's why uh, the, uh, Paul instructs the church in Acts chapter 20. He says this, he says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of Jesus Christ himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, another word for blessed in the Bible is happy. And he says, you will be happier when you give than when you receive. That's what he's saying. He says that those are the words of Jesus. That's how he taught. That's how he lived. And so where do we find a solution when selfishness tries to creep in? It's this. Use your life to serve God by serving others. Use your life to serve God by serving others. You know, we know we could identify all these areas that I just spoke of. I think every one of those things is things that I got to constantly work on. When I realize that my mood has switched, when I realize that, that I'm just getting negative on life, and, and, and maybe it's the voices we hear externally. But sooner or later, we have to be accountable for how we feel internally. That we just can't blame everybody. We can't just blame the situations or blame the news or blame other people. But we got to take responsibility in ourselves. God has given us the power through the Holy Spirit, a power to live on, to be able to work on these solutions when we see these things coming, when we see these things opening up our hearts and allowing joy and happiness to slip on out. And you're wondering, why can't I be happy? Why can't I find joy? Why can't I be satisfied and content? Because God is all we need. His presence, when you get in His presence, you should be full of joy. But if you're not experiencing that, then you're not alone, number one. And number two, God's given you a solution. When we understand this is that true joy does not come from a status. It doesn't come from a title. It doesn't come from success. It doesn't come from stuff. This internal battle to keep your joy is only won by your decisions. Your decisions to not fear. The idea of loneliness because you know that God is in you. God is with you and God is for you. It's a decision for you to stop complaining and start being more, more grateful for what you have. To let guilt and shame let go of it. To allow your conscience to be cleared by God and to reconcile with other people. To stay obedient to God's word by learning it. Not only that, but learning how to apply it to your everyday life. And let me tell you that when you're on that journey, there's so much grace for you. There's so much grace for you. And lastly, we break this default of selfishness by giving our lives away. Giving our lives away, being generous with our lives, serving those that God puts right in front of you. That, that's, that's all we're responsible for. Sometimes we want to do all these great big things and there's nothing wrong with having that dream and having that desire. But ultimately, God is, is holding us accountable to who and what are we doing with the people that are in front of us? Which right now might be a really small circle. 
And I would say start there. Start by having this attitude of serving your family, serving those you live with, serving those around you. And there's multiple ways to do that. I believe that you could ask the Lord for some ideas and he'll, he'll download those ideas. He'll give you a heart and direction. God loves that. We become more Christ-like when we give our lives away. So right now, what does that look like? And Paul, he closes this whole section up this way. He says in 17, he says, but I rejoice even when I lose my life. I honestly, I, I had a hard time reading that verse. I was like, what does this mean? This seems so like hard and difficult. How could he say that, that he rejoices when he loses his life? He says, but when I lose my life for the sake of others, when I, when I do everything I can in trusting God in the bigger picture, when I have a bigger perspective, when I have received the power to live on and to continue to be faithful, even through tough situations, he says, it's my life, it affects other people. And he says, my life is like a poured out offering over what God is doing in other people's lives. And he goes, and I could be satisfied and I could rejoice in that because we're in partnership of something that God is doing. I mean, he just brings it to a whole nother level that I've never seen before. And he closes, he says, I will rejoice in those moments. You know, I started this message talking about a season or a time or a moment where you just feel like you're just exhausted. And I don't mean physically, because maybe many of us aren't doing a lot of physical work right now. But maybe emotionally, you're drained. Emotionally, you feel like you just can't keep up any longer. This thing has lasted way too long. And you're, you're feeling depleted. You don't feel like you got something to look forward to. You, you feel like, like there's, the happiness is being drained and, and the joy is fainting. And, and I want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit is, is with you and he is in you and he's working things out. He's going to give you power and strength and zeal to make it through, to have a zeal for life. He said he'd come to give us an abundant life. And maybe you want to reach out right now and say, God, help me. I love what, what King David did. And this is how I'm going to close out. I want to have you have a moment to just pray this prayer. But King David came to a place where, where he, you know, this guy knew highs, highs, and he knew low lows. And there was a moment where he was just grasping at, at straws, just trying to get some help, just trying to get himself out of the funk. And he writes his beautiful Psalms. It's Psalms 139. And he, and, he, and he closes this out. He says this. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And I think maybe right now in this moment, it's appropriate for us to just ask God and pray that same prayer and say, God, will you come and will you search and will you know my heart? Here's why this is important. Because our heart is the center of our emotions, our intellect, and our will. In other words, our heart will dictate how we feel, what we think, and what we do. And are you willing to be so bold today to say this prayer to say, God, will you look at that heart? Will you search that heart? Will you see if there's any holes in that heart? Because I can't seem to sustain this joy and this happiness, this contentment. Proverbs tells us that above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Jesus said this, he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So our heart's a pretty big deal to God. Have you been able to lately go to God and say, God, will you search my heart? And he says this, he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Do you know the biggest battles in our life usually start and end here? And if we can just allow God to help transform our minds and help our hearts and put it, set it right, it will change our feelings, it will change our mood. And he says, see if there's any offensive way in me. Omar translation says this, see if there's any leaks, God. See if there's any leaks. 
because I know that if I can check these now, it will save me from a lot of grief later. And he says this, he closes out, and he says, lead me to the way everlasting. In other words, let me learn and live your ways. Help me, teach me, show me. And I believe that when you open your heart to God in that way, he will come in like a, like a good flood, and he will fill up every area, and he will seal every crack, and he will seal every hole, and you will come to have this overflowing joy in your life. That's God's plan for you. So can we just pray right now? Father, I ask, Lord, that if anybody right now senses, Lord, that there are some holes in their life, there are some places where joy seems to leak out, happiness seems to, to, to go and fade away, God, I pray right now that you seal it with the Holy Spirit, that you show them the solution, show them the fix, show them the area of their life where they need to work through, and you give us a solution through your word. So help them apply it, help them to learn it, help them to now share it with other people so that they can have that joy-filled life that you called us all to live. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, thank you, church family. We love you. We're praying for you every day, and we're excited to one day come back together. We know that day's coming soon, but continue to pray for those that are working the front lines. We know a lot of people that we know that are working long days. They're exhausted physically. Will we keep those people in prayer? You know who they are. And, um, and also, let's pray for the sick in our community. We're going to pray that God continues to heal. And we're also going to pray for just anybody right now that may be of need of any, anything that they have right now, that they go to God, that they trust God, and that we could respond as God's people. We love you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your giving. And thank you for tuning in. We love you. God bless you. See you next week. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. It was amazing to be able to get in the Word with our Grace family. Don't worry, it doesn't stop here. Throughout the week, there are ways to get connected together as a family, even through social distancing. So we love you. Have an amazing week. We'll see you soon.